0: Hey guys, welcome back to Redemption, Memoirs from the Woman at the Well. I'm your host, Tierney Krasowski. As many of you know, I've taken a brief hiatus from my podcast, but I'm super excited to get back into the swing of things. So let me catch you up on what's been going on. During the past several weeks, I've had some pretty awesome changes in my life. I was offered the opportunity to teach at a brand new one-of-a-kind middle school that the New Mexico Military Institute here in Roswell is launching, and I accepted the position as a sixth-grade English teacher. I also opened a food truck with my stepdad, in which I very naively thought this would be a fun and easy side hustle, but it has actually become a full-time job. I've been extremely busy with those two things, um, spending a lot of valuable time with my youngest son. We've actually spent a lot of time watching baseball, as we have a local farm team here in Roswell, and so we go to those baseball games. Um, I've spent a lot of time reconnecting with some old friends that I've just needed that connection with as well as taking the past few weeks to focus on things that pertain to my physical and mental health. Mental health is going to be our focus this episode, and specifically uh, postpartum depression. So mental health is something that I believe is an extremely imperative realm in our lives that needs to be evaluated, and it needs to be addressed on a regular basis. As women, and I'm speaking a lot just from my own experience... We tend to overwhelm ourselves and then we get frustrated, we get burned out, we get bitter, angry, or we even get into this extreme depression and we allow our mental health to decline. And yes, it is our job to take responsibility for that. The first time I ever recognized that I had any issues mentally was after my youngest son was born. I want to be very clear that this is not to say that I wasn't struggling with anything prior to his birth because I most definitely was. This was just the first time in my life that I took a really honest assessment of what was going on. My entire pregnancy with him um, from beginning to end was extremely traumatic, but that's not my focus today, and I don't really want to discuss my pregnancy on this episode. I want to discuss the aftermath. I want to discuss the postpartum psychosis I experienced. So I'm going to begin this episode with the delivery of my son. I was in hard labor with him for 36 hours, which was really different for me my two oldest children I had um, I had both of them in less than two hours. My first delivery with my oldest son from beginning to end was an hour and 40 minutes and my delivery with my daughter um, it was exactly two hours. In hindsight, I know that I should have had a c-section with my youngest but I refused. Um, I also didn't have an epidural during my labor due to complications I had during uh, my pregnancy with my daughter. So I went through that entire 36 hours of hard labor um, with no pain medication. I felt every bit of it. Um, you know, when my son crowned right before delivery, I went into convulsions and I lost consciousness. My husband and my doula they both had to hold me on the delivery table because I was convulsing so hard. I don't remember him being born. I don't remember them laying him on my chest. I really don't remember much after his delivery because my body went into shock. Um, For those of you that have had children through a natural childbirth, you know that there is a hunger that follows giving birth that is ravenous. Like you absolutely feel like you're starving to death. I experienced that starvation feeling with my first two deliveries um, after my youngest was born. He was literally released from the hospital before I was. And mind you, he was a premature baby uh, because I physically could not eat. My body was literally in a state of shock. It was awful. The entire experience for me was awful. Like I stated uh, prior, the entire pregnancy was traumatic from beginning to end. And I know that played a role in my in my physical uh, response to his birth. But I don't want that to be the focal point i'm simply describing the birth of my son to create an understanding of how things shifted mentally and physically for me and to lay the foundation for this topic the subject of postpartum um, it is one that so many women struggle to have an open conversation about because of the shame that comes along with it some women struggle from an extreme depression that's debilitating while others like myself we struggle with mania Postpartum depression is much more common than postpartum psychosis, and the two have very similar symptoms. But postpartum psychosis creates delusions, hallucinations, thoughts of suicide or homicide, um, as well as extreme manic behaviors. For me, I was extremely paranoid. Um, I felt extremely suicidal. I would go into these extreme fits of rage. Uh, There were episodes that I had of extreme energy and insomnia, and I would go, go, go until I crashed. And then when I would crash, I would feel this deep cavernous depression. I hated my body and I had extreme body dysphoria. I would look at myself literally days after having a newborn baby and tell myself how fat and gross and disgusting I was. Uh, when, in fact, I was actually emaciated and severely underweight. Because of the complications I had during my pregnancy, if people didn't know me well, they didn't even know I was pregnant, and I had people that sat behind me in church for years completely blown away when I walked into the church with a newborn baby. I just say that to point out the fact that my perception was totally wrong. My concept of reality was completely distorted, If I wasn't falling apart crying, I was raging at my husband or my other two children, and on numerous occasions, I just plotted out my own death. I knew for a fact that my husband was cheating on me, and this is where a lot of that extreme paranoia came in, and I was on a mission every single day to prove it, and I became obsessed with this task to prove his infidelity. He was never cheating on me. I spoke to my children in ways that I could never imagine even speaking to a child. Um, This is another one of, you know, I would nevers. That's on my long list of I would never. There was one instance where I flipped out unnecessarily at my oldest son, and this memory for me, uh, I don't know if he remembers it. I can't imagine that he doesn't, but for me, it's a very difficult memory. My baby was about four months old. Um, He had just started rolling and it was literally his favorite thing to do. He rolled everywhere. I'd asked my oldest son to stand on the edge of the bed and watch his little brother uh, because I was in this manic, um, like it, it was one of the times that I remember like just going, going, going and I was deep cleaning the house and I was switching laundry out from the washer to the dryer and the utility room Um, in that house was adjacent to the master bathroom and so I was in the utility room and I hear this loud thump. Um, Also my ex-husband and I are both very tall people and our bed was high off the ground. It was probably like four feet off the ground. So along with this thump I hear the baby trying to catch his breath and I run into my room like in this complete panic my oldest son, who was supposed to be standing on the edge of the bed, was across the room and he had the most terrified look on his face. I pick the baby up and I make sure he's okay and then I turn around and I unleash this awful rage on my son that I had never thought possible I screamed and I yelled and I called him every horrific name I could possibly think of. I called my ex-husband. I told him that he needed to come get my son because I was about to beat the living crap out of him. I promise you the words that I used were not that nice. Um, and I remember standing there as I'm screaming, just watching him crumble under every word and me not being able to stop this memory to me is one of the most haunting and guilt-filled memories I have. And it literally still brings me to tears when I think about the look on my son's face when I finally calmed down. I later found out that my son had noticed that his baby brother had pooped and that he would help me out and that, you know, that he wanted to help me out by changing his diaper because bodily fluids gross me out. So he had stepped away from the bed for such a short period of time and it wasn't done to be ugly or disobedient, but he's just this, you know, 10 year old little boy who was trying to help his mama that he loves so much. And it wasn't, you know, he didn't give any forethought to the baby rolling off the bed. He didn't have the ability to have the forethought of the baby rolling off the bed. But in that moment, I broke something in my son Every little thing would just set me off constantly. I remember one time my youngest son was teething and he bit me. And without even thinking, I bit him back out of anger. Um, He was a breastfed baby. So he, he bit me right on the boob. And I was so angry about that. I remember wanting to kill myself after that episode um, because I was terrified I would hurt him even more. And I did. I mapped out this whole way that I was just going to take my life. Um, The irony to that is that I was also very panicky about something, something happening to my baby. So I hovered over him a lot. I didn't allow very many people near him. Um, you know, in this time, I remember having experiences that felt so out of body. Like I knew something was happening and I was doing something that I didn't want to happen, but I had no control to stop it. Um, what I'm about to say next, like I'm, I'm in no way saying that women, um, who have murdered their children should get a free pass. But for the first time in my life, I had a sense of understanding of how that could happen. How women who had five children in six years and they were home alone with their kids all day, struggling through postpartum psychosis or even postpartum depression could just snap. Again, I'm not condoning those actions. I'm not saying that um, they had the right to murder their children. I'm just stating that as someone who's experienced postpartum psychosis, I definitely have a better understanding of how something so horrific could happen. There are things I look back on in that that period of my life that happened that I could not even imagine myself doing now. And when they took place then, um, in those moments, I felt like I had zero control over anything that was happening. I promise you, if you asked my children to describe me during this time, they would use one word, Monster. To say I felt like I was going crazy or already reached max crazy, uh, it's probably the understatement of the year. I remember having conversations with my doctor and trying to seek help, and I was told that I just needed to exercise to get the endorphins going. I finally reached out to a different doctor and told him everything that had been happening, and he explained to me the difference between postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, and we quickly began to get me regulated. But this took about a year after my son was born. I spent a year of my children's lives being completely unstable and manic and horrific to them. It was such a shameful experience. And unfortunately, I had a husband who made me feel like I was a total nut job and that I was broken. I didn't have a strong support system through him. Um, And in this area, I was always made to feel like depression was a weakness. And the, the thing for me that I have found with talking to so many other women is they've been told the same thing either by their husbands or the men in their lives or people around them that depression was a weakness. And for me, one of the focal points was the fact that my biological father had committed suicide and I did not want to be like that. I didn't want to be like him. I didn't want to be viewed as weak or selfish or any of those other things. I didn't ever want to make my children feel like they were not worth living for while simultaneously wanting it to all end. I just wanted to die. It was the first time in my life I felt like I could ever empathize with this man and understand why he chose to do what he did. Feeling so grossly out of control of my mind and my body was a terrifying experience. It took me years to start talking about it and even recognizing it in other women. So now when women have had babies, I get right to it and I start assessing and I see how they're doing. I ask the hard and awkward questions, but I make certain that these women know why I'm asking them these questions. I'll share a little bit of my experience so that they know that it's not coming from a place of being judgy or being rude or hateful. It's coming from a place of, Hey, I know what it's like. I know what it's like, and I don't want you to be alone through this going through an experience like that alone or without a strong support system can be absolutely detrimental to the health of the woman as well as the baby this past week i was talking to a friend of mine and we hadn't caught up in a very long time and this subject came up you know i'm not going to go into her whole story but when she told me her story she told me about how when she had her first child she was disgusted with him right from the moment he was born and when they placed him on her chest it was disgusting to her it wasn't beautiful it wasn't wonderful and it went downhill from there she silently struggled through this depression because similarly to me she was told that depression was a weakness and you know when she would try to reach out and get a lifeline it was met with remarks like oh this pass I'll pray for you, or women smiling and excusing themselves from the conversation because they did not know how to talk to a woman who was crying out for help. When asked if she, was, if she just loved being a mom, she was internally screaming like, no, I hate this, but knew she couldn't say it. And that's so sad. That broke my heart when she told me that. And on top of struggling with the feelings she had towards her precious little baby, she had this immense shame. I think the line that got me the most when we were talking about our experience, though, was the, I'll pray for you. Anyone who knows me knows I love Jesus and in no way will I ever deny the power of prayer or the authority of Jesus's name. I believe that in his name, all things can be healed and fixed and corrected. Um, I know that I serve the God of the impossible, but what I will say. Is that's not really effective or helpful when someone literally feels like they're drowning in their depression when a woman is expressing such an extreme vulnerability she does need your prayer absolutely but she mostly needs you to use some wisdom in helping her again i'm not denying the power of prayer in any way shape or form but faith and wisdom go hand in hand god has given us doctors and medicine and the ability to recognize the value of both Um, it's not a lack of faith to seek professional help it doesn't mean that you don't believe in god or don't believe in 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 the healing powers of jesus and often women who are struggling through both of these conditions need a medical help This type of depression and psychosis, it's absolutely paralyzing. And more often than not, a woman cannot help herself. She does not have the physical or mental ability to help herself. It's important to recognize that. Now for those of you who have had children (laughs) you know that your body goes through all of these colossal changes and what a lot of people don't know is that so does your brain. A woman's brain literally shrinks during pregnancy and that's where the term pregnancy brain comes from. And not only does the brain shrink, but after the baby is born, the placenta, which has been supplying all the, bo- the body with all of these feel-good hormones, it's removed. And then the thyroid, which normally regulates these hormones, is not given the signal from the shrunken brain that it needs to be kicked back into action so a huge hormonal imbalance is created. If you have ever struggled with anything hormonal, even just a little bit, you know what an impact the hormones make on your body. So when you are going through such a huge change, um, you know, it, it can be devastating. This, this simply means that a woman's body after giving birth is going through numerous changes on every level and it is very difficult for a woman to feel completely out of touch with her body as well as her mind. These issues don't always affect everyone. With my two oldest children, I did not experience postpartum depression and I bounced right back from having them. This could be because I was 17 years old when I had my first child and 19 when I had my next. My brain was literally still developing. I don't know if that was a key factor or not, but I didn't experience postpartum with these two. As a matter of fact, I thought postpartum depression was complete nonsense. And I would talk about how weak and ridiculous those women were and that they were attention seeking. And I, you know, pointed out that I had two kids and never experienced that and yada yada yada. I was a total BA and look at me go until I experienced it and then some. When I had that awakening and that total realization and I understood how horrific it is to deal with those symptoms, it became an absolute goal of mine to make sure that women around me who were having babies were never left without a solid understanding that one, not only did I understand, but I was a resource and a lifeline if need be. Women that I don't even know, if I see a woman who's had a baby, um, You know, I will. I will talk to them. I will make sure that um, that I will ask how they're doing, and I will make sure that you know that they understand they're not alone. Um, Our society has created a very hostile and unhealthy place for women to not only be a mother, but for a woman to be a mother who is struggling with postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis or anything that you know that has an ugly label on it. As mothers, we're given this box to live inside of, and if we step outside of it, we are completely ostracized by society. We're labeled bad mothers or made to feel shame and guilt. We're told we have to love and adore every part of being a mother, and that if we don't sacrifice every part of who we are to our children, including our sanity, that we most certainly do not love them enough. And the list goes on and on. I'm going to go ahead and speak the quiet part out loud real quick. Sometimes being a mom sucks. I know. There. I said it. There are parts of motherhood that I absolutely despise. Here's a small example. Like I stated earlier, I cannot stand bodily fluids and it not only disgusted me, but it seriously pissed me off, (laughs) no pun intended, when my kids would pee, poop, or vomit on me. I took no joy in waking up in the middle of the night to change diapers or to have a baby latched onto my breast. And nine years later, I still don't miss it. I didn't enjoy my kids drinking after me and backwashing in my drink. It absolutely disgusted me. Um, My youngest or my oldest son, he has always had um, like very... Very active salivatory glands. And when he was little, his lips always had saliva on them. He would kiss me. The moment he would turn around, I would wipe it off because I wasn't disgusted by his affection, but I was disgusted by the saliva on my mouth. Um, I don't enjoy being overstimulated. I don't enjoy being disrespected by humans who rely on me for their very existence. I know some women who cannot stand when they have newborn babies or even toddlers, but they enjoy every other stage of motherhood. The list goes on and on. I'm not a bad mother because I don't like every aspect of being a mother, and neither is any other woman who struggles through parts of motherhood. I do, however. I appreciate every aspect of it because being a mother is what has given me the greatest perspective in my life. Another part of that list is dealing with the mental strains of motherhood, the exhaustion, the constant feeling of never measuring up, having people around you who seem like they have it all together when in reality they don't, but they're making sure you feel like you do not, um, losing your individual identity and your role as a mother. That's a tough one for a lot of women. Um, you know, they struggle with the empty nest syndrome because they have wrapped their whole identity into being a mother. Um, oddly enough, feeling like you're less of a woman because you've had children. That is exhausting for women who are constantly looking at photoshopped images of women and being told that we are not enough. I don't care how well you bounce back from having a baby. Your body knows that you've had a baby. You know you've had a baby. You see your stretch marks. You see the um, the imperfections on your body from having a, a child, and that's exhausting for a mother. Um, And and the reality is, is that it doesn't make you feel beautiful. Those things don't make you feel okay. But again, I love being a mom. It's my favorite title and it's my favorite role in my life. Being a mom and dealing with the postpartum psychosis opened my eyes to how devastating motherhood can be for some women. I think as women, we need to begin to shift these mindsets about what motherhood looks like and start becoming resources for one another. I have had multiple women tell me that just um, by me doing a, a simple check-in with them, it meant the world to them. I've had other women where I've simply shown up. I knew that they weren't doing okay, and I just showed up. I'm like, I'm here. You're not alone. I could, I didn't need to do anything else. I've had friends who've had C-sections, and I make sure that they're fed, their, their other children were looked after, their houses were in order, I've, I've shopped for them, um, things that I know I could have used during this time in my life. I'm not bragging about these things, I'm just telling you that I'm not going to ever ask anybody else to step out and do something without doing it myself. Um, I'm not going to give husbands and baby daddies free passes, but they will never ever understand what it is like to have a baby and all the changes that happen. We can talk to them and encourage them to look for things and make sure they're helping as much as they can, but they simply cannot understand what it is to go through the entire process from beginning to end. And each experience is unique and there are multiple facets to how a woman responds to a pregnancy. When I was going through my own experience with postpartum psychosis, I felt so isolated. Like I stated earlier, my ex-husband was not a great support system and made me feel so much shame during that time. I didn't feel like anyone could possibly relate or understand with what was happening. I knew I would look weak and like an incapable mother if I talked openly with anyone about what was occurring within my own mind. I also didn't know how to define the emotions I was feeling. If I'm being totally honest, there are still some emotions that I cannot define from that time in my life. It's totally okay. I don't have to. What I do know is that I'm not comfortable sitting back and allowing women to go through this experience alone. I'm not comfortable with making a woman feel like she is not a good mom if her brain and body are misfiring. I am not comfortable sitting back and allowing our society to define a good mother only as someone who is flawless, makes no mistakes, and enjoys every part of being a mom. Through most of my experiences in life, I have felt alone and I personally believe that if I had had the correct support system, some of my decisions would have been entirely different. In hindsight, I am thankful for going through some of these experiences alone because it's equipped me with the ability to recognize these things in other women and to be able to step up and say, Hey, I've got you. You're not alone. Sometimes being a support system is as simple as checking in every day and letting a woman know that you're available. And sometimes it's as difficult as having to take a woman to the ER because she's on the brink of killing herself. There really is no clearly defined map of how to navigate through this, but it's important to show up when you recognize something is going on. If you feel like it is not something you're equipped to handle, that's okay too. Just don't stay silent. Call for help, start reaching out. I've had a lot of people tell me that they had no idea something was going on until it was too late because they mind their own business. I assure you, I wish I had someone um, who had been aggressively in my business after my son was born. The women who have snapped and murdered their children wish someone had aggressively gotten into their business. I've had numerous women thank me for getting in their business. As always, I'm a big proponent of therapy and seeking help. If you are someone who is struggling through depression or you know someone who is, seek help. There's absolutely no shame in that. As women, it is important that we recognize one another, honor the the journey that each of us are going through, and learn to show each other grace and mercy. I will be the first to admit I am not always good at this, but I am learning and I am constantly asking Jesus to soften my heart and to show me how to see people through his eyes, not my office. Been blinded and judgy ones the bible talks about us taking care of one another and it has been an honor for me to take care of women who have had babies and have struggled through postpartum issues i thank you so much for your time today and as always i am honored you took the time to listen and i look forward to our next episode together